Peter Fonda and Warren Oates on the road trip to hell, literally, today on Cinema Oblivia. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivia, your podcast for weird, old, out-of-date, out-of-style, or out-of-fashion films. I am your host, James Eldred, and who do I got joining me for today's episode? I am Anthony Abbott, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about this movie. Uh, Also, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, Anthony, thanks for being here. Why don't you tell people a bit about yourself before we get into the film, if that's okay? Yeah, well, uh, as far as movies go, uh, I love several different types of movies. I mean, I watch a wide variety of things. Um, I usually uh, do things more kind of like lately with uh, streaming games and stuff on Twitch and stuff like that. But I love talking about movies any chance I get. And uh, especially stuff like this that that I really do think deserves more of an audience or at least, you know, more of a, a discussion. Yes. And what are we talking about today? You picked this one. What is it? This movie from the 70s, Race with the Devil. Yeah, from 1975. Yeah, a movie that I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it, I was way too young to be watching it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this is a strange film. This is yeah, Race with the Devil, 1975, directed by Jack Starrett, starring Peter Fonda and Warren Oates, my man. And it's a weird one. How, without giving into too many spoilers, I, but before it, I don't want to spoil the end of this movie in the podcast. Just, no. just to get that out there. But the plot is pretty simple. What is, give me the basic rundown, the back of the box for Race with the Devil. So you've got a very small group of people. There's two couples. They're going on, uh, they've got an RV. They're going on a vacation. Uh, they've got a ski trip planned. Uh, pretty much it's a road trip movie. And the very, you know, early kind of sets of, of their road trip, uh, they see something they're not supposed to see. They run across a satanic cult sacrificing someone and the cult yes. sees that they've been discovered. And the rest of the movie is our four people in the RV pretty much on the road running for their lives from the satanic cult. Yes. And when we say satanic cult, we, I don't mean let that bullshit levee satanism. This is real. Sat- these, dude, these dudes worship the devil. Yeah. <laughs> like hardcore. Like, literally. Yeah. Yeah, literally, literal, literal Satan worshippers, not figurative Satan worshippers, and yeah, it goes places. It's a strange film, and it's I can't really think of any other movies that are, especially from the seventies, that are as action horror hybrid as this. I can't think of any other thing that I've ever seen that's like this movie, but like pieces of other movies, you know, like. I mean, it's a little bit of like Spielberg's duel with like mm-hmm. there's there's moments that remind me of like Rosemary's Baby, but you know it's like it's it's a it's a weird mix of like several other movies, like kind of a little Texas Chainsaw Massacre with them being like in the backwoods of certain areas and places and and actually being in Texas. But yeah. yeah, I can't think of another movie that's really like this specific movie. Yeah. So before we continue, we should mention that you are from Texas. Yes, I am. Yes, you are the first Texan on my podcast. Congratulations. 
Thank you. Uh, yes, that's my 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 diversity effort. Uh, Texan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. I I have bad. We'll get to my personal bad Texan experiences. Uh, I have I have I have Texan family. So, uh, who? Yes, but Texas. Um, yeah. Listen, this as, is a, a, as a Texan, though, I will I will also gladly share not only the good like the good and cool things about you know living here, but also. Yeah, I know where I live, and this movie makes me also very aware of where I live in certain parts. That's all I'll say for now. <laughs> yeah, you know, usually, <laughs> let's be real. Like usually, the the problems that you know a minority uh, African American person might face in Texas usually don't include Satanists. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Say, also, because yeah, we you know haven't mentioned I am uh you know a, a black man living in Texas. Yeah. So I do feel like that also is a. Some of my perspective from this movie is very much from being a Texan, also from being raised in a very strict Catholic family. Oh dear! Uh, oh man! Yeah, Oy. yeah. We'll we'll get into all of that. There's there's yeah. several angles that kind of I think play with the way I first experienced this movie. Okay, well, you mentioned Rosemary's Baby, and I want to talk about that kind of really quick because this is an exploitation film made by B movie people, and it. Ha- it had to be inspired by Rosemary's Baby, which came out in the late 60s. And then also Exorcist had just come out. And a couple of the big ones, there was, a, well, not big one, there's a, a great Satan-worshipping hammer film called um, The Devil Rides Out by Terrence Fister with Christopher Lee as in a, in a rare good guy role, which was a pretty big hit for Hammer in the late 60s. And then there was also one more, there was uh, The Brotherhood of Satan, which is not a good film, but it made a lot of money. That has uh, Strother Martin and L.Q. Jones, like guys you see from Sam Peckinpah films. Um, And another, a lot of Satan, you know, when people think of Satanic Panic, they think of the 80s, but it was on the rise in the 70s. And I feel like this movie's trying to cash in on it. Well, you know, the 70s also is when you you got stuff like Black Sabbath becomes popular like in the 70s, you know, like 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 metal metal music as a genre starts really coming around as as a thing and of course this is like I mean metal's association with a lot of stuff at that time is, you know, like satanic imagery which makes it stand out and also makes controversy. So it makes it makes sense that there's probably something in like, you know, pop culture that would kind of cause that interest with like anything with the devil in it. People are going to be drawn to it and afraid of it, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. But the person who was drawn to it here is the writer, producer people. These guys are characters. I was trying to read up about not a lot of info on this movie on the internet. I know. No, <laughs> no, no, there's a surprise. I had to find like old newspaper articles and magazine scans, but this movie was written by two dudes, Lee Frost and Wes Bishop, who appear to be partners. Lee Frost was a writer, producer, di- director, actor, editor. He made a ton of movies in the late 60s and early 70s, pretty much starting out by making softcore porn in his garage, literally. In his garage. <laughs> that was the joke I read about him. I don't know if it's true or not. But <laughs> he made, I've seen a couple of his films. He made Love Camp 7, which is a piece of hot garbage. That's like a Nazi sexploitation movie. So, you know. Not a good one. <laughs> and he made a movie I've always wanted to see called The Black Gestapo. I've never heard of that. And now I want to know more about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he also, yeah, the, yeah, The Black Gestapo is, it's it's about, it's about a, like fake Black Panthers. Like, you know. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's not, no, not, not that. And 
and he made I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah. And one of his more infamous films is The Thing with Two Heads, which is a terrible movie about a uh, I, I think that, that has, yeah, Rose, Rosie Greer's in that, and Rosie Greer's head is put on a white guy's body. Yes. <laughs> I had a friend in high school that loved knowing about stuff like that, and he showed us the trailer one time, and we were like, what are we looking at? Yeah, that's oh. a bad movie, too. But Lee Frost, he, he, I found a quote from a shock cinema interview where he was like, we made pictures for about a dollar and a donut, and <laughs> just... Turned out trash to make money. He got the idea for this movie after watching Deliverance, actually. Mm, uh, okay. Have you seen Deliverance? You know, it's a kind of a blind spot for me. I've yeah. I've never seen it. I've always been curious about it, but I've also been afraid to watch it. It's fucked up, and it's fucked up. Lee Frost saw Deliverance, and he wanted to do that. And I also think he was cashing in on the Satanic Flicks and Biker Flicks. Uh, and we'll get to that with the casting in a minute, but there were so many biker flicks in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, and I think the big one there is Easy Rider. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you seen any of the 70s or 60s biker flicks? I've seen Easy Rider. Um, I really don't think I've seen many other ones that I can that I can think of, but like, I, I almost want to say there might be like maybe a Clint Eastwood biker movie I've seen. I've seen like a lot of 70s Clint Eastwood movies. I don't know if he's in a biker film. I know he's in a trucker film with a monkey. <laughs> that's you know, that's what I was probably thinking of, Dan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a ton. I, I've seen Easy Rider because I was a film student. You're required by law. And I saw, <laughs> um, what was the other one? I saw, I've seen Werewolves on Wheels. <laughs> Werewolves on Wheels? It's not as good as it sounds. It's actually pretty boring. The most notable thing for that is that Rob Zombie has sampled the hell out of it. And That makes sense. Yeah, and another movie called The Losers, also called Nam's Angels. The Losers is the film that Bruce Willis' girlfriend is watching in Pulp Fiction, in the hotel. Really? Yeah, the motorcycle movie. And that is directed by the director of this film. This is directed by Jack Starrett, who passed away in 1989 at the age of 52 because he lived a life. Uh, This dude seems Texas as fuck. (laughs) It's just like... (laughs) Just a big dude who apparently liked to drink and start shit. Uh, I he directed he directed Cleopatra Jones. Damn. Okay, that one I do know. You seen Cleopatra Jones? I have seen it before. Oh, yeah, that movie's amazing. <laughs> that see. Okay, now that you mentioned he directed that, like, yeah, the vibe it it it, it matches. I, I totally get, it, especially. Especially this era, especially when he that comment about, you know, like a dollar and a donut. Yeah, totally makes sense. Especially the pacing problems. Yes. <laughs> also that too. Um yeah, Cleopatra Jones is a classic. I've talked about her on it before because Shelley Winters was in The Visitor, which I just talked about in another episode. That's a great movie. He also did Slaughter. Slaughter's another good black exploitation film. I think that has uh, what's his name? Um, Fred, is that Fred Williamson or Jim Brown? I forgot. Uh, I haven't I seen Slaughter. I went. I know I've seen it because I went through a period where I watched pretty much all of them. Uh, yeah, that's Jim Brown. Jim Brown and Rip Torn. Good cast. Uh, that's a good one, too. I recommend Slaughter. His other films, not as good. He did, he was more of a actor. Did you look at some of his credits? Um. Well, I'll say there was one thing about his credit as far as this movie, but I didn't see any of his acting credits or anything. He's in First Blood. Who is 
Who is he in first? He's the blood? one. Who, he's the co- he's he's the worst cop. Like oh. the one, the one who gets killed. Yeah, he's that guy. And he was Gabby in Blazing Saddles. So he and he's also in um uh, the Losers, the other movie he made, and. So he 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 kind of did a bit of everything. He was actually Dennis Hopper's first choice for the Jack Nicholson act role in Easy Rider. You know, I could see that working. I could totally see that working. Yeah, because he's in this movie. He's one of the gas station attendants. I forget which one. I don't. Is he, I don't know if he's the one of the cat. <laughs> I thought he was the the last one that we see. I think he is. Yeah. 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 Uh, but he was a he was a uh, he was definitely a character from what I from what I can read about him. He used to be like the the big trivia about him is that he used to play drunk at parties. I don't know if that that's an, if he was just drunk or not. But Mel Brooks thought he was so funny being drunk, he put him in Blazing Saddles. Damn. Yeah. So professional drunk. Um, <laughs> yes. And then one more person behind the scenes that I want to talk about really quick is the other producer, Paul Manslansky, who I don't think did anything. I just think he threw money at the movie. Uh, you know, like not, one of those not producers. very much money. <laughs> not, not very much. Yeah, here's twelve bucks. Here's twelve bucks and a Winnebago. Go. Um, he he directed Sugar Hill, which is another great black exploitation film. That's the zombie black exploitation film. Okay, uh, I've heard of that one, but I've never seen it. I don't know who's. I forget. I don't think that's Pam Greer. No, this has um. This doesn't have anybody I really recognize as actors, but it's about it's a voodoo zombie movie. Okay, uh, it's really good. Um, it's by the same people who kind of made Blackula. Oh, which, I love I love Blackula. Blackula is an underrated good movie. <laughs> Blackula, also, I also saw that when I was way too young, and it scared yeah. me pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Now, Scream, Blackula, Scream, not a good movie, but Blackula, good movie. I've never seen Blackenstein, <laughs> so I don't know. Wait. Blackenstein is a thing. Have I? How have I never heard of this? Yeah, there's there's Blackula and Blackenstein, and as there's there's no there's no Blummy. I was I was almost gonna say, is there a Blummy? I was almost gonna say that. Is oh my god, is there a Blade think, Visible Man? A Blair, a Blair Wolf. A Blair Wolf. No, a Blair Wolf. That would just be you transform into Linda Blair. Um, <laughs> oh or, man. Or, Sorry, <laughs> no, but those are the black exploitation horror. Most black exploitation horror films that I have seen are quite good. They're not scary, but they're yeah. good. They have good, like like most good black exploitation. They got the oozing style. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, what do you think? Like, I don't think this movie is very in terms of style. It's pretty bare bones. Like this movie is. I don't. The style of this movie, I feel like, is just kind of manic. But honestly, I I, I think because you know I, I just rewatched this movie like last night, you know, because it's been so long since I've seen it originally. But I think it still does a good job at being creepy when it needs to be creepy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's very simple things. Like, I mean, even just like the setting, like having something off in the backwoods at night. I mean, that's enough to make you freaked out of anything, right? Yeah. So having like a low budget. You know, they they make use of stuff like the setting and like having a small cast and having your small cast be freaked out by everyone around them. So they they use some cool things to make it still kind of creepy. Yeah, uh, but it's it is kind of manic still. Yeah, it is, but it does feel a little bare bones. Like there's not a lot of the Satanists ain't got much style. They got bathrobes, and yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and oh, how did so? How, you just watched it last night. Did you watch it on Amazon or how did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it on Amazon. Okay. Did you notice it's censored? 
Yeah, and it wasn't censored the first time I saw it. Yeah, so there's a scene in the movie when they when they come across the satanic sacrifice, uh, they optically blur the nudity. Yeah. Which is weird. I've never seen that in a... You know, I live in Japan, so certain types of films here get that. But, um... No, I'll leave it at that. But, porn. <laughs> they, they blur porn. Anyway, um... But I've never seen that. I, I've only seen that in... There was one other movie. Um, oh, Mulholland Drive. Oh. Mulholland Drive, Mah- Drive does that because... And that was uh, David Lynch's choice because he didn't want people to do stills of the nude scene and put it on, on the internet. That was oh, his. okay. So I, I get it, you know. I don't know if the Criterion does that, but I know when it first came out on VHS, it was Octopus Blood. But yeah, weird, weird, weird thing there. But anyway... This movie does have a very small but very good cast. Yeah, it does. Uh, who is the star of this film? Peter Fonda. And, you know, you mentioned Easy Rider. And the first thing I thought of was like, wait, it's another movie with Peter Fonda in the 70s with motorcycles. Because the first time we see him in the movie, he's riding a motorcycle. I think it's acquired by law for him to be riding motorcycles in films because... <laughs> That's kind of how he got his career. Like he started out on TV. Like, obviously, he got his career because of his dad. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, that that helps too. But you know, Henry Fonda, kind of a big deal, and he started in TV and like in mainstream films. But very early on, he got into the alt, like the psychedelic and alt counterculture scene. And, yeah. And and Roger Corman, and he's in a he's in a movie called The Trip. Almost the entire film was an acid trip. Oh wow! Yes, uh, that's a good one. Shouldn't surprise you. That was written by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> okay, that scans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but his first big role is the Wild Angels, and he got that role because he could ride a motorcycle. Well, okay. So you know, you mentioned there's not much information on this movie, and I found something online. Oh, okay. Uh, there was like a, I think a DVD feature they made called Hell on Wheels, right? Okay, and it's it's like fifteen minutes long of just Peter Fonda talking about the making of the movie, and one thing he mentions is that uh, some of the scenes when they're riding motorcycles, it's actually him, and I can't remember the other actors. Uh, War notes. War notes. Yes, War notes. Some of the scenes they're actually riding motorcycles together, um, and and he mentioned he he kind of felt like one of the perks of making the movie was, you know, oh I get to make this movie and I get to ride motorcycles like that was a big thing for him because he loves riding so oh, much. So God, did he love live? Yes, yeah. Like, so so he's riding some like in some of those scenes, and then he talks about that being a big perk of working on the movie. Yeah, and I I haven't found a list of every film that he has a motorcycle in, but I know there's there's the Wild Angels, obviously, and mm-hmm. Easy Rider, really obviously. Yeah. And I think also in, I think in open season he might, but no, I think that's an RV. I think that, no, that's, that's a station wagon. I'm sorry. Uh, and then obviously this one, and I'm, I haven't seen Killer Force, but considering what that movie is, it's a big caper film. I bet he rides a motorcycle and he's in a movie called Outlaw Blues. He better ride a motorcycle in that. 
And he does in can he has a cameo in Cannonball Run. He's a biker in that, and then he's in a terrible, 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 terrible movie called Highballing. And Highballing. I don't know what Highballing means. (laughs) 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 It's a trucker movie. It's it's uh. I talked about it briefly on the Smokey and the Bandit episode. He rides a motorcycle in the opening of that movie and never again. And I'm, I was pissed. But that movie's garbage. So it <laughs> shouldn't surprise me. That's by That stars the other guy in Smokey and the Bandit, Jerry Reed. So not, not Bert, but, you know, the, the guy in the truck. Uh, oh, I was going to say Dom DeLuise. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Dom DeLuise is not in Smokey and the Bandit. Dom DeLuise is in Cannibal Run. Now, the, That's right. Is an easy way to remember this. Smokey and the Bandit, good movie. Cannonball Run, piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good mnemonic. <laughs> Keep that with me. <laughs> oh, God, I hate... I used to love Cannonball Run as a kid, and I watched it again last year, and I had to apologize to my boyfriend. Oh, man, uh, really? Was it... Well, It is it, almost unwatchable. You know, I can imagine it probably didn't hold up very well. I haven't seen it in so long. I can't imagine watching it now. I mean, Burt Reynolds in, in I'll be honest, Burt Reynolds in tight pants goes a long way. And, <laughs> and you know, if you're straight, that has Adrian Barbeau in it. So there's that. But it's just, it's just a, it's a boring, bad movie. But anyway, this is not a boring, bad movie. This movie no. also stars Warren Oates, who is one of my all-time favorite actors of all time. Uh, he, he's got that face of like, you've seen him in so many other things. Yeah, he's the ultimate character actor. He, I did a whole episode kind of about him uh, talking about Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, which is one of my and one of my dad's all-time favorite movies. Warren Oates, so if you really want to go into detail there, watch that episode, but listen to that episode. But he, he was a great character actor who was mostly in westerns and weird shit like this. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I, I could totally see why. <laughs> have you seen any other film? Have, have you seen Wild Bunch? I've never seen Wild Bunch. No. Oh, are you? I I'm gonna. You're younger than me, I imagine. Um, and because I'm 42, uh, I, and, I'm I'm like a year behind you. Oh, okay, okay. Well, but yeah. like, I not not a Western guy. No, actually, I am. Um, I'm just kind. Of, I somehow saw more like again Clint Eastwood westerns than anything else. Um, but kind of all over the place with westerns. But watch the Wild Bunch. That movie's fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, all time great movie. But he was in another. He's in a few movies with Peter Fonda, including one called The Ninety Two in the Shade, which I've been trying to watch, but the copy on Amazon looks like garbage. And that was. The the other impetus for this film, Warren Oates and Peter Fonda liked working together because I think they shared similar vices. <laughs> and <laughs> um, apparently, apparently, uh, one of the filmmakers' jobs was to corral Oates and Fonda from too much indulgence during the making of this film. Uh, oh man! Yes, uh, Warren Oates died relatively young. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how Fonda made it that long. But they liked working together, wanted to do another one, and then they got this this script here. Peter Fonda liked doing B movies. Like his, you know, his dad and his sister were serious actors, but he liked making like silly movies, he said. And yeah. you don't get much sillier than this one. But the other rest of the cast, like so Loretta Swit plays Alice. You ever watch MASH? I saw a lot of MASH reruns as a kid, and as soon as I saw her, I was like, it's Hot Lips Hulahan. 
<laughs> yeah, it's hot lips. <laughs> uh, it is funny because both the women in this, this like this movie has a very small cast of speaking roles that are worth talking about, and both the women who, let's be honest, don't have much to do in this film, and we'll get there. Uh, they're only really known for TV. Loretta Swit was in Mash, and Laura Parker, who plays Kelly, was in Dark Shadows. That's what that's what gothy nerds in the seventies loved. Yeah. <laughs> no, Dark Shadows. I did see a few reruns of that oh. too on TV. Like, you know, it was on cable TV a little bit, like in the eighties. So I did see uh-huh. a little bit of it. But I, I know it's one of those things. I watched like a lot of old movies, like with my uncle, and he loved Dark Shadows. Yeah, my hey, my aunt loved Dark Shadows. Uh, I'm pretty sure she collected like Dark Dark Shadows fan fiction before the internet. Like she was hardcore. <laughs> like, but she's in every TV movie and every TV show. From like 1972 to 1982, she was in an episode of SWAT, Kolchak, Policewoman, The Rockford Files, Emergency, The Six Million Dollar Man, Kojak, uh, The Incredible Hawk, Beretta, Quincy M.E., <laughs> Hawaii Five-O, oh, wow. Mrs. Columbo, everyone's favorite. <laughs> Mrs. Columbo? Wait, that was a, a TV show? <laughs> We'll, we'll I'm learning later. a lot today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I I bathe in trash. So, yeah, Mrs. Columbo was Kate Mulgrew's first big show. Uh, okay. Captain, Captain Janeway. Okay. Uh, on Voyager, yes. But, yeah, she kind of lives in on TV. I think she's still alive, but she's, she must be getting... Yeah, she was born in 1938, so she's pretty old now. But she also writes Dark Shadows books, so I think she knows her lane. Um. I do feel bad for both of these women because they don't—they don't have much to do. No, no, not no. at all. Like, what are some highlights of their of their their action, their activity roles in this film? I mean, besides, like, honestly, I feel like they—they they have a lot of the scenes of like, hey, everyone is creeping us out, and it could e- either be because we're attractive women and they're just being creepy people, or <laughs> are they all trying to kill us, or both? Yes. <laughs> But when we're not being creeped out, we'll vacuum <laughs> and, oh, we'll, yeah. and we'll do needlepoint and we'll cook. And it we'll is, clean the RV. <laughs> yes, we'll clean the RV. Yeah. Oh, God. Like I've said before, reoccurring theme on this podcast, Hollywood is garbage for, for women. And yep. this film, I wouldn't, it's not like actively like hostile towards women, but it's not like, you know, like they're not. Other than the one who's killed. <laughs> well, you know, you know what? They they do get a very limited like um like quest for knowledge side quest when they get to go like investigate. <laughs> yeah. And it's the only time that they're together and doing something that's kind of helpful for like the plot. And hey, so they, they just, get their own side quest and that's about it. Hey, they, they this movie passes the Beckel test. Yeah, like yeah. barely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knew? Probably uh, because of that one scene. That one scene, yes. Unless, well, so the Beckel test is a movie has to have. What is the, how? How do you describe that? Well, you know. So it's if you have uh, two women having a conversation in a movie, and it, the conversation topic cannot be about another man or another like male, you know. So if Satan's a man, then this movie fails it. But if yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> one more person I want to talk about is R. G. Armstrong, who is the sheriff. He's in every Western. You've probably seen him if you want. Like, he's in most Sam Peckinpah films. He is also the commanding officer in Predator. Ooh, okay. And he is the Sandman in Metallica's Enter Sandman video. <laughs> oh, man. A whole different level of terrifying. 
honestly, he does a lot of acting with just his face, and he can scare you with a look. Yeah, I mean, he he is like I guess the main bad guy, really. Although you don't, it's ne- you don't really know that. Like it's it's all like kind of low key, but he's just he 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 comes off as genteel but but threatening. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's it's good shit. <laughs> He's kind of like, hey, thanks for telling me about that problem that's going on. You guys have a safe trip. And then the camera hangs on him just too long where he's like, yeah, before, right. I, before I stab you, you know, like he's got that, <laughs> that vibe to him of like, I'm going to make you some sweet tea, but I might drop some arsenic in it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He, yeah, he's in a lot of great films. He's in, he's in like I said, all the Sam Peckinpah films of note, except Wild Bunch. He's in White Lightning, which is a great Burt Reynolds bootlegging movie. He's in a movie whose name I can't say. Are you familiar with the Fred Williamson Western Boss? I haven't seen it, but I do know the movie you're talking about. And okay, I, do know the, I do know the word you can't say. I got you. Okay, okay. well, we're just called the movie Boss. That's what it is on Amazon. It's called Boss. It's a good movie. It is a yep. good movie. Like It is because uh, Fred Williamson, like I think, wrote and produced that also. And oh, okay. that was his reaction to Blazing Saddles. It was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I do recommend that movie. I'm just going to call it Boss. I do recommend that film. It is a very good, it is a strange movie. Uh, it's a black exploitation Western. But yeah, he's 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 one of the bad guys in that because, you know, I, I forgot where he plays in that movie, but he's a white guy. And, at that, and in that movie, he's a bad guy. <laughs> well, especially Fred Williamson, rather than yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah, Fred Williams, yeah. yeah. I got to do a Fred Williamson movie on this podcast. I love Fred Williamson. He's great. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, not I couldn't find anybody else of really of note in the in the cast because like I said it's a very small cast. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's a it's a self-contained little film for them like, like self-contained like the RV. really just kind of talk about the film now and now so i don't want to spoil the ending i think we're going to talk about a lot of scenes but if you want to go in fresh everyone this movie's on amazon you have to rent it but it's on amazon and it might be on on other services watch the movie it is a little slow but it is good yeah would you agree i you know i feel like it has some slow moments but overall man that hour and a half went by pretty quick for me it is a short film like you know A, a good exploitation film knows what to do. It gets in and gets out, you know, and this yeah. one does it. But, like, I don't know much about RVs. Are you, have you, uh, is anyone in your family an RV person? No, I've uh, no. I've only been in RVs once because, like, maybe someone's, you know, mom or friend had one, and that's it. Like, I've never taken a trip in one or anything. You know, to, to me, RVs were always, like, one of those kind of things. Like, I guess if you have an RV, you have a whole lot of money. I, I've just never... <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And everybody in my neighborhood, I grew up in a very middle class neighborhood, and everybody who had money in my neighborhood had a boat. Yeah, see. Yeah. I mean, because I live by Lake Erie. So. Okay, see, and, and I live on like on the coast in Texas. So, yeah, it was like if anyone had money, yeah, they'd get like a boat or like uh, they'd get like uh, four wheelers, you know, stuff like that. Because Texas. My, yeah, because Texas. Yeah, let's talk about Texas. So, like, I'm. A, if I'm too mean to Texas, tell me. 
but um, as a Texan, I will give you carte blanche because sometimes it's just you know it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, this this part of Texas. So this was filmed around San Antonio, and you know this place looks like hell. <laughs> like it, I, I'm okay. So here's my here's my Texas experience. I have family in Texas. I've only been there once. I was five years old i don't remember much other than my grandpa telling me never to go play outside because they were copperheads oh wow um what part of the state like is it like central texas malakoff i'm not sure that's it. malakoff is outside athens uh okay kind of okay kind of between dallas and waco and i have i have so here's here's everything i know about texas then you can go i i know malakoff because it's always terrible I have friends from Tyler, and I one of them was a roadie for the Toadies, the band, which is what which is what Tyler is known for. Yep. This is what Tyler, yes, and that song about a serial killer. And yep. I know that the dude who created Conan the Barbarian was from West Texas because Joe Bob Briggs, you know Joe Bob Briggs, yeah, he describes West Texas as the place that God placed his ass on making the rest of the earth. So, so that this is a road trip to Texas. So you tell. So they they see the assassinate. They see the sacrifice, right? And yeah, where do they well, start out? Do they, do they say where they start? Okay. So the weird thing about it is when you when you look on, I think on IMDb, I was going to look for stuff about the movie, and it says there was a description somewhere that says they're taking a road trip. They're they're leaving from like San Antonio area, but they're do you know where the destination is? Because it says, I think, Colorado, right. They want to go skiing. So, they want to go skiing. So as I'm watching this movie, um, I was in San Antonio, I want to say maybe like four years ago, I went to see a graduation there. So okay. San Antonio, you know, the city and everything proper, really fun city to visit. But I will say this, if you get maybe 20, 30 minutes outside of San Antonio, uh, there's a lot of areas off the highway that look like this movie. Yes, because I was heading back from San Antonio back to the Houston area, and between Houston and San Antonio, there's a lot of nothing but flat like farmlands and like open road. Yeah, and there's a lot of areas that I could imagine if you took some of these like exits, you would end up in like a lot of what this movie looks like. So the thing that kind of got me going when I was watching this was I started to look on Google Maps when they mentioned a destination, and I started to look at where they were heading. Right. So they leave from San Antonio, which we see clearly in the in the beginning. Yeah. And at some point, they mention, hey, we can make a stop in Leesville, Texas. Okay. Leesville is an hour east. You're going Oh, no. East. So first off, I'm looking on Google Maps going, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> also, this is the 70s. How do you not have a map in the RV? Yeah, you know? you're right. Yeah, that is kind of eyeballing. <laughs> <laughs> they never once had a roadmap, and they're taking this road trip, and they keep asking for directions. And I was like, man, I feel like they would have had a roadmap in the RV. They've got everything else. Well, unless they made room for all the damn alcohol and threw the roadmaps out. Yeah, dude. So this <laughs> RV is, is fucking stacked. It has a microwave oven, a full kitchen, and a mm-hmm. bar. Now, this is Texas. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What was an open container illegal in Texas for a long time in a, in an automobile? 
as, feel- as long as as long as I've ever known, open container is very illegal, to my knowledge. Okay, because I I, 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 th- I knew there were some places that you could actually drink while you were driving, as long as you weren't drunk. I I don't think Texas is um, very strict. Yeah, okay. it could be Louisiana though. Louisiana's more well, wait, doesn't Texas alcohol. have drive-through liquor stores? Yeah, they do. Okay. But but <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't say I didn't say we made sense here. <laughs> no one will accuse you of that. It's Texas. <laughs> yeah, so they have drive-through liquor stores. But I mean, as far as like that, you know, open container uh, stuff. That's really they're really strict. Actually, uh-huh. some of the alcohol. I don't know if this is something other areas have, but we have our own. Um, I don't know if I should call them a law enforcement, but there's something here called the TABC, the Texas Alcohol and Beverage Commission. And they have like their own guys that look like police officers when you see them. Uh And they usually go to bars and stuff. And if someone is too drunk in a bar, like publicly, obviously drunk, they can arrest them. Well, in most states, public intoxication is technically illegal. So, yeah, but I didn't know that. Why? I thought Texas was like fucking like fuck the government, independence, like Yeah, but it's also okay, it's a weird mix, right? So you've got that you've <laughs> okay. got that, right? But it's also like we're Bible belt, so you can't buy alcohol until ten o'clock on like Sundays. Because yeah. you gotta go to hypothetically because you're going to church in the morning first, but you can't buy booze till later on Sunday mornings because I don't know why. <laughs> well, yeah, I I lived in Pittsburgh and when I first moved there, you couldn't buy booze on Sunday. Oh, like, okay. Well, here you can buy all. wine. And, yeah, you can buy wine and beer, but no alcohol on Sundays. I mean, no, no liquor. No liquor. Yeah. So, yeah. and and what happens is people from Louisiana come here, and they can buy. I think in Louisiana, they can buy stuff every day, and when they come to stores here, they're really confused because yeah. we're backwards. <laughs> can, does do they have to sell beer warm? No, they have it in uh, coolers oh, and okay. stuff. In in, in yeah. Pittsburgh, you have to sell beer warm. Really. Yeah, unless you're in a unless you're in like a pizza place or a restaurant, then you can buy beer cold to go. It's like a loophole. But if you go to like a grocery store or something, also Pittsburgh grocery stores can't sell actually can't sell beer. Uh, so but uh, and they can't sell liquor either. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is super super strict. But anyway, we're talking about booze now. But we said yeah. this is a drunk ass movie. Well, yeah, these there's a lot of times in this movie. Okay, and I just I just gotta say it right. Like sometimes when they're stopping to drink. Nothing's going on. It's like, yeah, we're on vacation. We're supposed to be going on our ski trip. Let's have a drink. But sometimes it's after something happens that's so scary and serious where you're like, do you want to have alcohol in your system right now? Or do you want to be 100% like on it? Because if I got some like cult people trying to kill me, I want to be pretty damn awake, you know? Yeah, maybe, you know, th- there's that, there's that, there's that middle ground, right? <laughs> Where you, you buzz. <laughs> Maybe they're going, you know, Warren. I don't. You don't know much about Warren Oates. Warren Oates was a pro. <laughs> he knew. He knew. He knew what he was doing. I can. I guarantee you, him and Fonda were actually drunk on camera in this movie. Uh, you, you know, they do drink. I think more than anyone else in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, Those like they, 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 like if if in in real life, if Warren Oates had to fight off some Satanists afterwards, he'd be like, "Well, I need. I need a martini." <laughs> Oh, okay. So, I just realized though. So, to give you to get to get, if we want to get back on our weird like geography lesson as far as the uh-huh, way that uh-huh. they travel, right? Yeah, go ahead. So, they start out heading an hour east. Keep in mind their destination is Colorado. Colorado, Colorado from San Antonio is fifteen hours northwest. If you're driving, I looked this Ugh. all up on Google Google Maps. Fifteen and that's hours. Now. Like that's back now. in seventy five, probably longer because less interstates. 
Exactly. Yeah. And they're in an RV. So not like they're trucking along it, like, you know, a a fast clip or nothing. So they go an hour east away from their destination. And (laughs) and this is the area where they see the uh, the cult worshiping thing happen. Yeah. And then from that point on the movie, they start heading towards uh, Amarillo. Now, Amarillo is eight hours from San Antonio northwest. It's actually on the path to Colorado. Yeah. So they're now heading in the correct direction after taking a really weird detour out of nowhere to the east for some reason. Amarillo is like a halfway point between uh, San Antonio and Colorado. So for the rest of the movie, when they mentioned a place they were looking for, like I was looking on the map, like, okay, that is actually on the, on the right path to where you're going. But I don't know why when they start out, it's like, it could have been just a line throwaway, but it really stuck out to me. I'm like, you're going away from where you need to be, but maybe they maybe just, because they're so drunk. They don't know what may, they're doing. Maybe they just really hate Lubbock. <laughs> could be because <laughs> they go around Lubbock. I, I apologize to our non-Americans or non-Texans listening to this, but yeah. <laughs> But that's that's the Texas uh, geography part of this. Like, except for that one weird detour, everything else they do when they mention they're going somewhere, it's pretty accurate as far as like they would be driving in that direction. Yeah. So yeah, after they see after they see the satanic sacrifice, they go to the cops. I think they start to realize the cops are in on it, and they get there's a rune <laughs> on. On the back, the clean the women are cleaning the RV because they're women, and that's their job <laughs> in the film. Well, well, when when they're when they're escaping, you've got the few guys who who uh, are running from like the cult and trying to catch their RV, and they smash the back window. Yeah, so they're driving around their whole back window smashed to pieces, and that's the whole thing. So they're trying to get that fixed, but yeah, the ladies are cleaning up the glass, and they find like a note, and it's got like kind of a warning, like if you talk about this, you will have. It, it was weird. It, it, it was really it was, worded. Like it was basically a witchcraft version of talk shit. Get shot. Yeah. <laughs> or snitches yeah. get stitches. Like, like if you much. tell anyone what you saw, you will have trouble ninefold or something. Yeah. And then there was like a rune of like a uh, like they pretty much put like some kind of a hex on them or something. Yeah, yeah. So then they go. Then the two girls they go on the knowledge quest. You said. Yeah. They get to town, they talk to the cops, and then one of them goes, let's go find the library so they can translate what's on the notes. And I, in my notes, wrote in all caps, let's go find the library? What the fuck? How about we just get out of here as soon as possible? Yeah, and also, like, the library has a satanic reference book, so that's a be another warning sign. <laughs> yeah, why do they have that? I've never looked for that in the library, but why is it there? I we mean, know I, why. Who, yeah, who knows? Like, it, it becomes clear very early on then that like people are following them, yeah. and and or it's like because the dog gets killed, and yeah, they, yeah, which is a, which is a, it's messed up scene, and then there are rattlesnakes in their goddamn RV. Okay, let's talk about the snakes real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, the first time I saw this movie again, I was maybe like twelve or thirteen. I saw this on cable. And as one does, I, yeah. <laughs> right? And I grew up in a very hardcore Catholic family, so of course I'm already like, "Oh, there's something about the devil in this movie." I'm a half afraid and half interested because I want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, um, it's also an old movie, and it looks kind of creepy. And they're in the backwoods of Texas, and uh, I'm like, "Hey, as someone who lives in a city, but there's backwood areas around here, I'm like, that's kind of skeevy." I'm in, but. I forgot about the scene with the snakes and I have a uh, pretty bad fear of snakes myself. So I had a 
hard time watching this. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, not because yeah. the way they film it, you also have this. The camera's also at an angle where you have the POV of the snake is going to attack you, the viewer, mm. and that I forgot all of that happened. Um, no. Oh, it was rough. Texas has rattlesnakes. Yeah, well, certain yeah. parts of the state. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know not Dallas, not Houston, <laughs> but like yeah. not not in the city. They're not in your toilet. So that really did scare you as a kid. Yeah, really bad. And um, I was actually on that on that Hell on Wheels thing. Peter Fonda talks about that scene, and he said when they were filming that part with the snakes, he actually is sitting there looking at a snake that has been like you know defanged, so the poison's out of the snake or whatever. Yeah. But he did actually grab the live snake when they were filming that scene. Ugh. And he said they had to cut and take the snake out of his hand and give him a rubber snake. But he grabbed this real live snake in the RV and the snake got mad and pissed on him. <laughs> Could have been that, worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that scene for me was one of the scariest in this whole movie because of the way they filmed it. It really freaked me out. Yeah, because a lot of the scares in this are more creepy. Like yeah. like you said earlier, like Rosemary's Baby. Like, there's the pool scene, right? What happened, like, at the RV park? Mm-hmm. So, they, okay. And again, my, <laughs> again, my whole thought about this, and look, I, this is the only way I know how to say this. I am a black man, and I okay. feel like watching this movie, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone, but I feel like I noticed there's no minorities in the film, just because. Not a single I, one. Not not even when you pass through a town, but hey, you not, know what? There's parts. Not even, parts a, not even a Mexican. Not even in Mexico. No. And I live in Texas and we have a huge Hispanic population. We have a lot of diversity here. Yeah, but yeah. I do get from having been around parts of the state where there are total areas you could pass through that look like these places. I have been through them very quickly. Uh-huh. Um, but I also feel like if this movie had minorities in any of the major roles, they would have acted differently because let's let's look at what we've had so far. You started a ski trip, road trip vacation. Immediately you witness some people kill someone in a satanic ritual and you still make time to stop for the water park. <laughs> what? How bad do you want this vacation? My dude? No. And this then everybody in the idea. pool, everyone stares at them in the pool. Right. And everyone at the pool is looking at them. Like clearly you don't belong here. And also yeah. is everyone here a cultist in the area? Cause you didn't go far from where you saw the thing happen. Yeah. One thing that you, now that you mention it, like if they changed this, and I don't mean to get too dark or too serious, if you replace the Satanists with the clan, and oh, maybe oh, they see yeah. a lynching, not much changes in the plot, right? It's pretty identical. I, you know what? Now that you say that, I had this whole thought that I could see this movie being like a, uh, I could see like Jordan Peele remaking this. Yeah. And all you would do is make them make them any people of color or anyone who's like LGBT, anyone who's not straight white people yeah. and any, you, like you said, you could change just a, a flip of it like that. And it would be just as, if not scarier. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is, because then it, it also plays into like, if you're talking about stereotype of Texas in the deep or any part of that area of the country and there's the clan, you don't know, especially back in the seventies, you don't know who's yeah. in the clan. Yeah. And yeah, I drive a lot for work. I mainly drive through like, you know, major city areas, stuff like that. But there's definitely a few areas that I have had to go like for work that are like these places, little like really small towns. And, you know, I pass through them really quick and I'm I'm weighing them out. But it's very rare I have to go to places like this. But it's very I mean, it's very easy to end up in a place like that where it's like 
there's nothing but white people here. And clearly they know you're not from here, you know? Yeah, yeah. It is the same kind of thing. Like they go somewhere where they don't belong and everyone stares at them. And you you can change that very easily to a story about race. Yeah. And yeah. This, this pool scene is what made me think of Rosemary's Baby because, you know, there's a lot yeah. of times in that movie where people are clearly looking at you like, you don't belong here. And we are all a unit. So, and, and even like the way it's filmed, you've got that POV again where everyone's looking at you, the the audience, right? They're looking at the cast, but they're also looking at us while we're watching it. So it freaks you out that they're looking right back at you, kind of like this very like uh, not zombies, but kind of like this one unit, right? Like a, as a collective, yeah. they're looking like a, at like you a, like a mind, like a hive mind. Yeah. Yes, it's really freaky. Yeah, and and it's another thing. It's like, but it's all in their head. You know, yeah. because let's be real, you know, Hot Lips is hot. <laughs> that's why yeah. it's called Hot Lips. So, yeah. well, I don't know. That's not why it's called Hot Lips. Anyway, but <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> you know, I can't believe they got that on TV. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, you know, maybe they're just staring at her because they're creeps. Yeah. And, and you know, which is not good, but less dangerous. <laughs> well, and because only the women go to the pool scene, right? The guys are, uh, guess what? The guys are drinking in the RV. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? But you, you can play this scene as just like, here's two beautiful women at a pool, and they do feel like eyes are on them. But I think when they cut to the shots, I think it's it's like not just, there's at first like nothing but old guys. And yeah. then there's just kind of everybody looking at them, where it's overall just like, no, nah, there's a different vibe here. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is creepy, but but I can't believe they go swimming. It's like, yeah, you know, they're really, they're really, they're really gung ho on not letting that satanic sacrifice ruin their ski trip. You know, is this a thing where you've been waiting so long for this vacation and everything costs so much? Where no matter what, we're gonna do this because I'm. If I'm on day one or two of this and we see something happen, I do have the thought of like, you know what? Vacation's done. We just witnessed something traumatic. This is all done. Also, I've got this weird thought on the back of my head too that like they went to the police and now you think the cops might be in on it. Also, I think the cop made a mention of something like we'll send you the results or call you whatever. The cops also know where you live too. Everything about this is like we should just get away from all of this as soon as possible and figure yeah, something else out when we get home. Don't trust those cops, man. ACAS, all cops are Satanists. Like you know, you know. <laughs> ACAS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why, like, I don't know what I would do in this situation. To be uh, to be honest, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty steadfast in my moral compass, I guess. And like, th- this is wrong. I want to stop it, but mm. like, I also don't want to get killed by Satanists. So I would probably, I would probably, if I felt like I was being watched, I'd be like, "Boy, honey, that sir was that that thing that we saw. We shouldn't talk about that. Let's just go home." <laughs> and then maybe. <laughs> Maybe years later, I would call, you know, 60 Minutes. You know what, too? When they, they make that stop, uh, in the, I think in that first time when they talk to the cop, and, like, the one guy uh, at, like, the auto shop, he's like, oh, I can fix your back window, whatever. And they start talking, 
And then he's right there working on the back window and yeah. they close like the little curtain between them and they keep yeah. talking about it. Like he can still hear you. What are you and, doing? And that note on the back of the car was not there when they got to town. It was yeah. put there after they got to town. They have to realize that they're being watched. And they're, so they're way too relaxed about all of this. Yeah, series of bad decisions. And, and we talked before we were recording the the old joke about how black people would handle a situation. And like yeah. uh, the Eddie Murphy, the Eddie Murphy joke about Amityville Horror. We're not <laughs> get out. Okay, bye. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just go get as far away from all of this. It's fucking, you know. And and I don't, I don't know what it is about my people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you know, is it entitlement? Is it entitlement? Maybe it's entitlement. Like you know, there's that there's that joke on twitter and imbue yourself with the confidence of a straight white man like i mean do they really feel safe or do they really want to believe so much that this is past us we can still have a good time or is it a little you know, bit of both is it hubris yeah i think it's hubris i think you know and it, you know you look someone like like the both like warren oates is a he owns that garage in the beginning yeah. of the film that's his business and peter fonda is a kind of a hot hot shot businessman and bike racer so they both have hubris like you know my dad was a incredibly successful businessman and he kind of at times rightfully was full of himself you know mm -hmm. because like he, people told him not to do stuff he did it and he was right and so regardless of your race or sex or gender or whatever that that makes you more entitled right. and so maybe they're just the type of dudes who are like, no, we're always right anyway. Look at us. We're successful. We're right. Everything's going to be okay. Let's drink martinis and 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 head on up to Aspen. <laughs> well, after after everyone at the pool freaks him out, I can't remember um, one of the ladies' name, but she, you know, she starts being really like, uh, we should go home. And then <laughs> there's kind of a vibe where the other lady kind of looks at her like disappointed, like. I think Kelly wants to go home. And it's like, yeah. no, Kelly's right. Y'all should yeah. get on board and go home. Yeah, get the fuck out. Yeah. Don't because gaslight Kelly because she's paying attention, you know, or she feels a certain way. Yeah. They go to they but instead of getting out, they go with their Nate with their R V park neighbors to a, a a rowdy roadhouse. And then that's when they think everyone's staring at him. They get back, the dog's dead, there are rattlesnakes in their R V and it is go time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's finally yeah. when they were like, "Let's literally leave right now." It's the first time I felt like they all were on the page of like, "Okay, we got to get the hell out." Finally, like we got to go. And and all that stuff's great, and I I do like the slow build up and the tension, but I do feel like a lot of it is sometimes just kind of killing time until the car chase, because this movie has an incredible car chase. This car chase. Okay, I feel like <laughs> I honestly forgot how good the car chases were in this movie. And I kept thinking, this is the kind of movie that when Tarantino and um, Robert oh, Rodriguez yeah. were making Grindhouse, like when he was making Death Proof, this is the kind of car chase Tarantino wanted. Because, yeah. man, the stunts are insane. Uh, and again, Peter Fonda in that little 15-minute interview I found online talks about like um, – there's a part in this car chase where he gets on the roof of the RV with a shotgun. Yeah, that shit is and dope. He, he did that. Like he, he was like, he did, I wanted to. 
He climbed an RV and he also said the shotgun was his personal gun he brought for the shoot. Of course it did. It was his personal motorcycle, his personal gun, his personal martinis, and his personal cocaine in his, in his personal trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. The highball and the, I talked earlier about highballing terrible film also has a very good car chase where he is on the back of one of those like trucks that have the cars on them mm, you know what okay. i mean and he's really yeah. on it he's really on it so damn he, he was got, just like a adrenaline junkie huh yeah he got he got off on that shit but the the car flips the car crashes these cars blow up like they're made of tinder <laughs> tinder boxes dude okay <laughs> there's there's like a truck that is chasing them like uh, it's like near like a like a bridge or something, and I swear this was it was like a black dynamite scene the way that this happens. Yeah. Like there's there's a part where like the RV they're on the road and there's like two or three vehicles trying to box them in on the highway, and it's so well like well filmed for like a well chase choreographed scene. the well choreographed scene yeah yeah like the stunts like wow like hey you know what for whatever they did with the budget they they did not skip out on making the stunts really good. Mm-hmm. And at one point, there's I think it's like a pickup truck behind the RV, and they're coming to this bridge. And when they get to the bridge, I forgot how they did it, where they they made the truck stop and like flip off behind them. I don't know if he stopped abruptly, whatever. Yeah. But the truck launches into the air, and the minute the truck is in the air, it makes contact with nothing. It's a ball of fire. <laughs> and I st- almost stopped the movie. I was like, did I miss something? Was there a bomb in the truck? What happened? Well, in the 1970s, cars are far more explosive. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's just, it is the style of the time, you know. And I, I, I appreciate. I don't care if it's realistic. It looks cool, and yeah. I appreciate any any chase scene that has a car flip eight million times, like you see oh, here. Yeah. You can. The only fault I'll give the chase scene, and it's not really something that could have been avoided back then, is if you look carefully, you can see all the cars have roll cages. I did notice the roll cages, and I yeah. noticed one other thing at, at one point, and it might be that same scene. There's a part where they're going under an underpass, uh, and I feel like, oh, you know the scene? Okay, Peter Fonda and the guy on top of the RV, and he, he does a thing where he's crawling behind the guy. This yeah. guy's standing yeah. this guy's standing on top of the RV, and he's uh, trying to pour gasoline into it from the top yeah. Yeah. to light it on fire. Peter Fonda climbs up behind him and he gets up behind him. He's like lying down prone. And he's like, hey, you like whistle to get the guy's attention. The guy is fully standing up and they're about to hit an overpass. And of course he hits the overpass. And the very next shot, if you watch it again, dummy ass dummy, you can see a dummy. (laughs) It's a fucking dummy. And it's so good. I mean, I think the best way to fix that would have been if they would have cut before the dummy hit the ground, it would have been more believable. Yeah. But, I've seen worse dummies in old movies. Like dummies falling off of buildings always look terrible. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I saw a terrible Peter Cushing movie from it's set in Hong Kong called Shatter. And the end of that has two dummies fall off a building. And it looks like they took two Ken dolls and just <laughs> chucked them off. Like it is terrible. This looks better than that. So. Oh man, yeah. yeah. I, besides the roll cages and that, yeah, everything else was like done pretty well. And and even the say scene plays into the paranoia. Like they don't know. Like they they there's the they pull over because there's a a car accident with a school bus. But what does what does Warnote say? He realizes this is he realizes this is bullshit, right? Because why? I don't believe a school bus on Sunday, and he fucking floors it. 
Yeah. If that's not the best line in the movie I've ever heard in my life, I don't believe a school bus on Sunday and then he just drives a oh my god. Yeah, that's I rewound shit. that scene. It was like, did he just really say that? He sort of hit the kids. Fuck him. No. <laughs> Let's see. Little Satanist, little little junior Satanist Texans, man. That's like it's like uh the nightmare. But I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about the very ending. Uh, let's 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 leave that for you know people to find out on themselves. I do like the ending. My only criticism about the movie is that it doesn't really end at the stops. Yeah, it does. And I remember uh I remember the first time I saw it, I remember just thinking, I've never seen a movie do that. And I forgot how it ended. So when I was rewatching it this time, <laughs> I was I was like, man, there's not much left in this movie. Like, how does this end? And then when the ending happened, I was like, oh, and it shocked me as much as it, it did the first time. So I feel like it's worth watching to get to the end of the movie because I think for that time period also, um, there was a few movies from that time period that would have like a shocking ending, you know? Yeah. Endings, yeah. Horror, this is an odd time for horror because we're still, I think, Chainsaw is the same year. Uh, 75, right? I think, yeah, Texas Chainsaw. Let me uh, no, 74, like, 74, 74. Yeah, it's like a so, year before slashers really haven't happened yet like we're not in full slasher mode and the grindhouse is on but we did have last house on the left so yeah we are getting to more grimy shit and of course night of the living dead but you're still getting the tail end of like europe of british horn hammer horror which was not nearly as dark was a lot more fun and usually had happy endings so yeah. You, you look at this is definitely in the middle there of of those eras, and so you really don't know which way it's going to go. But I do like the ending. I, I can't see it ending any other way than no. That. I I think I think that's the only way this movie could have ended. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I think it totally fits, and I think it kind of leaves. Uh, it's like a hell of a like exclamation point on the movie. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's a, it's a good solid ending. I'm sure. I'm sure Quentin Tarantino owns a 35 millimeter print of this film. <laughs> do, you, do you know before before me you talked about doing this for for your show you are the second person in my life since i've seen this movie to ever mention this movie to me oh or, really? that, or that i've ever heard mention it the only other person i've ever heard talk about this movie in like years is kevin smith that makes and sense <laughs> kevin smith said this movie was an influence on him when he was making red state which is i could totally see that but this is a good movie yes yep <laughs> Red State's a mess. It's a hot mess, but Red State. I, yeah, I could kind of see a little bit of what he was going for with that. Yeah, the the only thing I'll give Red State credit for is that it is scary uh, yeah. early on, yeah. and uh, un, unlike a lot of other Kevin Smith films, I think it's direct, directed very well, but the script is garbage. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's but just, I could see it being an influence. Yeah, it's but I can't think of any of the films really like it. When the film came out, though, it did very good. <laughs> so because it didn't cost much to make, <laughs> well, it didn't cost much to make, and this is still the era of the drive-in, and this is the drive-in ass movie. This movie mm. made about twelve million dollars the year it came out, which 
is very good for that time. It made it was the 25th highest grossing film of the year. Damn, that is really good. Yeah, it outgrossed. Um, let's see, anything of note. Stepford Wives made more money than Stepford Wait, Wives. 75, 75 was Jaws, wasn't it? Yeah, Jaws was number one. Jaws made two hundred and sixty million dollars that year. So did this come out? Did this come out the like before Jaws? It came out. Jaws over, it came out a week point. after Jaws. What? Yes. That's crazy. But I think that might have helped it because I bet eventually it was put on a B a B ticket after Jaws. Yeah. When this movie came out, it was often the A ticket of a double feature at drive-ins with Legend of Hell House, which is a weird double bill, and a John Voight movie called Conrack that I've never heard of, and another movie I've also never heard of called The Nickel Ride with um, Bo Hopkins. Bo Hopkins is in uh, Wild Bunch again. So that's a crime okay. film, though. So uh, weird double bills, but it made good money. It got decent reviews of most. None of them were. None of them were very enthusiastic either way. Mm-hmm. They were like, "It's weird." <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, you know, I feel like I don't know. I've only seen Easy Rider once. I feel like Easy Rider is a weirder movie in general. Well, Easy Rider is a different kind of weird. Yeah, like Easy Rider is an independent, almost art house film that is trying to make a statement about society. Yeah. You know, this is a movie about Satanists in Texas. (laughs) True. But Easy Rider, I was only thinking about that because, of course, the Peter Fonda connection and, of course, the ending. And again, I won't say anything, but the ending of that movie definitely, like, once you see Easy Rider once, you remember the ending, you know? Yeah, it's a gut gut punch for sure. But can you think of any other films like this movie that you'd like, that you'd want to recommend? I mean, I I just keep coming back to, like, The Duel, the Spielberg movie, The Duel. Oh, that's a but great it's, movie. It's the closest thing because it's literally about a person being chased on a highway, you know? Yeah. Um, without the satanic cult stuff. But it's <laughs> still, you know, the closest maybe idea even to this movie I can even think of. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else even like like more recent that I would kind of say is a, a good watch. What, what was that? Uh, was it Wrong Turn? Or, uh, it was Wrong Turn. Like I've never seen Wrong Turn. There's also Joyride. Joyride, yeah, I'm thinking maybe one of those. I haven't seen it yeah. in a long time, but I would say that might be close, but I'm not really sure. My go-to picks for this, uh, there's one that's not much in common other than Peter Fonda, but Dirty Mary Crazy Larry, a great name. <laughs> um, and that has Peter Fonda and Susan George, and that's a car chase movie from hell. That, that I, I don't mean it's, it's satanic. I mean, it is crazy. Mm, and okay. If you want to see like a gonzo balls out 70s action film, Dirty Mary Crazy Larry is one of the craziest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. There's another horror car film just called The Car. It's about a possessed car. That has its fans. I've never seen it. I would also say maybe hmm, it was one of the one. Oh, The Hitcher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've... I think I've seen. Was there a remake of that? There's a bad remake and a bad sequel, but the original has Rutger Hauer. Was uh, uh, was the car like before Christine came out? Well, oh yeah, the car. Hmm, well, the car is before Christine the the movie, and okay. it's probably around the same time as the book. It's a okay. very different story. It's very very different. It's 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 not like a car because in Christine, Christine manipulates people too. Like the car is about a killer car. 
Okay, gotcha. One I would not recommend that a lot of people say is similar to this is the devil, uh, the devil's reign. R a i n, not r e. Anyway, that people a lot of people think that's good because it's a it's another southern satanist film and it has a great cast. It has Ernest Borgnine and John Travolta and uh, William Shatner and Tom Skerritt, and it even has a cameo by Anton Lavey. Like the oh, head wow. of the, yeah, but it is garbage. It is absolute. It is one of the most boring. There's nothing worse than a boring horror film. Yeah, because uh, it's not even funny. It's just boring. So I I wouldn't recommend that. But yeah, the Hitcher's a good one, and Dirty Mary Crazy Dirty Mary Crazy Larry is going to be on this podcast eventually because that movie, <laughs> that movie is bonkers. <laughs> you know, so. I almost almost want to say if you haven't seen uh. Death is it Death Proof from Grindhouse? The Tarantino movie. Great, Death was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just for the car chases alone. I mean, hell, Death Proof might be the most recent ish thing you could watch. It's kind of like it's clearly inspired by movies like this. I mean, uh, maybe watch Death Proof. Yeah, and you know, there there aren't. It's it is weird. You think about because I've I've driven a lot, you know, and I, I live in Tokyo now, so I don't drive anymore. <laughs> but I. Uh, um, You'd think there'd be more horror road movies. Because yeah. going out in a car and driving to someplace you don't know can be a scary situation. And yeah. so many horror road movies are just are just bad. Like Children of the Corn. Like, that's a bad movie. Or I hated Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek's, I think, gross. Or um like those Hills Have Eyes remakes. The original Hills Have Eyes also. Yo, no, here that's a that's a good parallel to this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same same era. Yeah, that would be same a great era. one to watch. Yeah, that's that's another one that's super creepy and like a good, you know, the road is your enemy. So yeah, I think oh, and one more, we'll keep talking about movies. One more that's a little more cerebral than this, I would say, is Breakdown. With I've never seen Breakdown. Breakdown with Kurt Russell is a fantastic movie. It's borderline horror. That is a cr- and but that movie has a thing that is in common with this movie is that you don't know who's on your side and who's not. Oh, and okay. It plays into the whole part of the being on the road and not knowing who you're around type thing. So yeah, that's a fantastic movie and that's on Amazon. It might not be free anymore, but I will say they did a they just did a 4K transfer for that and it is gorgeous because that movie is in the American Southwest. And it just it, it's a fantastic looking film and a scary film. And Kurt Russell's really good in it. And the bad guy is JT Walsh. So I mean, you know, he's evil yeah. and everything. Yeah. I need to watch that dude. Anything else you want to say about Race with the Devil? Oh, uh, so this is a weird, random thing I had in my notes actually from like the beginning of the movie. Oh, okay, uh, go ahead. I feel like maybe, I don't know, I'm not going to say that Shane Black, when he was writing Lethal Weapon, got inspiration from this. Oh, film, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, you you know, okay, you, you know what I'm about to say here. Yeah. Uh, Warren Oates, I want to say when they're racing, there's a scene where they're racing motorcycles before everything goes bad. 
And yeah. they make a bet, which, oh, by the way, I did so much other weird stuff when I was watching the movie. They make like a $10 bet on their little motorcycle race. Uh-huh. And I, I looked up on Google, 10 bucks in 75 money. It would be like 40, 40, 50 bucks now. Yeah, not, not a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like a little friendly wager, but they make a little bet. And then uh, Warren Oates loses the race. And then he, he looks at, uh, he looks at Peter Fonda. He goes, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> I was like, is that where Lethal Weapon got that from? Or is that just a hell of a coincidence? Yeah, that is that is a great line. And uh also that scene, like there is a there are a couple scenes where you can tell it's worn oats on the bicycle, but far less than Peter Fonda. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But no, I think if you uh if you want to watch a movie that's like it's actually like really um like good old school movie with like good tension in it you know uh if you like old school like i mean it's kind of just a car chase movie near the end of it like it's got mm-hmm. one of the best I, I don't think i've seen a car flip that many times in recent movies since like casino royale yeah so even watch a really good movie that's kind of got like a little bit of everything thrown in there uh check out race with the devil it's worth your time and especially for the ending because uh james and i won't tell you how it ends because it's worth you getting to it yourself it's worth, yeah it's worth you seeing yourself and and yeah it's it's a good uh, it this movie does belong on lists of the greatest car chases of all time uh, totally agree because it it's the only one with an rv <laughs> yeah. oh also in my notes nothing good happens when people have rvs and tv shows and movies yeah well let me think <laughs> breaking breaking bad Breaking Bad. I never watched Breaking Bad. Uh, Breaking I know, Bad. Starts. I know. I know. I know too many meth heads. Um, <laughs> let me um, think. Let me think. Uh, yeah. Well, because Christmas Vacation. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> the only thing I remember with the RV and Christmas Vacation is he, he's emptying the freaking shit. Yep. yep. And and it, and it, on, yeah. Sh- hey, it's honey. Shitter was full. <laughs> shitter was so, full. <laughs> shitter was full. Shitter was full. Yeah. RV. RV's a. I would. I have never in my entire life ever been captivated like i hate road trips with a passion i hate them and so the idea of having a road trip where you can't go to a hotel fuck satanist that's hell on earth (laughs) if you have an rv you're gonna take a road trip i know we have cell phones now because it's the future that we live in Mm -hmm. but maybe have a map just saying if you're being chased by people in a cult, maybe don't stop and rely on the word of the people in the areas you're passing through on how to get to the next town. And, and just saying to all the women out there, if you're being chased by a cult and your husband thinks it's okay just to continue the vacation, disagree with them and don't agree to vacuum and cook and make martinis for them. Then divorce him when you get home because then he's a terrible him. person. Yes, if, if you hey, if you if you if you're married to Warren Oates, divorce Warren, divorce divorce him. That's, <laughs> a, that's a danger as a dangerous situation. But anyway, uh, Anthony, tell everyone your amazing Twitter name and where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bruce Wayne Brady. Uh, Good job. I thank you very much. I you know I picked that name because it made me laugh one day when I was bored, and I've gotten. Pretty positive feedback on it, so I think I did pretty well for that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I also stream on Twitch, uh, also under Twitch.tv slash Bruce Wayne Brady. Uh, I've been doing stuff on the weekends, playing well, currently playing through like a couple of Halo games. I play like a little bit of different stuff on the weekends. Okay, and uh, yeah, that's kind of all I'm doing at the moment. But hopefully, uh, a little bit more in the future. So, well, yeah. Well, thanks again for being on here. And as always, you can find me online at LostTonetable.com. 
I am on Twitter at Lost Turntable. I'm on YouTube at Lost Turntable. And I'm also on another podcast about progressive rock music called Alexander's Ragtime Band. So if you are tired of Satan and you want to check out something else from the 70s, that's kind of evil. There you go. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it for today. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you again soon. Take care. <laughs>